this is when it really started getting crazy. So I, I went down to the wire on three different commercial buildings to the point where I actually wrote a six month deposit check for them. Okay. And every single one of them fell through, which was like an office building. And they were actually going to give me free rent. But you guys know, like, I'm not like a good life or like a lifetime athletic. Like they can't just come in here at whatever time and train on their own. Like this is a private boutique studio. And they were like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Then like last minute, they like slid in that their workers would be able to train at all hours. So I was like, well, that's not happening. Perfect. It was like right in a good location, standalone building. Uh, landlord was willing to put some money in to renovate it. And what actually happened is the uh, like we got down, signed the deposit check, signing a 10 year lease. Okay. About to lock it all up. And then uh, <laughs> the land, the listing agent actually just didn't like me. Hello, everyone. It's Jordan Boxer, your host of Leaders in Sport, a podcast brought to you by Designs for Sport, which is an industry-leading supplement company with all NSF for Sport supplements and education gear to help elevate the industry and support fit pros. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is going to be a funny episode because this is the third one I've recorded back to back to back. But my name is Jordan, and welcome to another episode of Leader in Sport. Um, today I met with strength coach, personal trainer, Andrew Baker. That's right. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Hey, Jordan. I'm doing well. Um, so yeah, uh, having a lot of different ways I think we could go today, but I think one of the most interesting things I've not, it's just a good differentiator is you've sort of gone down this idea. You're like, you know what? I thought I was going to be a strength coach, but I'm a personal trainer and I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what does that mean? Because like a lot of people, I think in the training space, because you've learned from Charles, you've mentored under a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what go into that a bit for people listening. Well, it's funny because it's uh, kind of like the overarching thing about it all is that it's just kind of being okay with who you are and like accepting what you do. And it's crazy because like as soon as I started doing that, it's like everything just started improving for me like business personal everything but it really kind of comes down to it like I, i'm pretty sure that most people get into this industry get into this industry because they have this kind of dream or idea that they want to mm -hmm. train athletes mm -hmm. and that was me for sure because you were an athlete right yeah i yeah. played basketball uh played in high school played post-secondary and then that's what got me into training people as i was like well when i was in high school the the thing that coaches always said was you got to get more athletic like who are you going to guard at the next level so i had like the skill i had the work ethic but i had to start like improving my body getting myself more athletic um mm -hmm. and then what actually happened was it's kind of funny because it's usually the opposite but i started looking more forward to training than playing ball yeah i just there was something about the was this before or after you watched pumping iron <laughs> before okay um it was something about just uh I think there's a lot of things in life that aren't fair, like in terms of like genetics, like the cards you get dealt, like that you can't really control. But the thing about the weight room that always just kind of resonated with me was you like no matter where you go in at, like whatever your starting level is, like you can improve from that. And you kind of it's one of the obviously genetics come into play, but I think it's one of the only places where you kind of control your own destiny and mm -hmm. like you, you, you get really you really get what you put into it. So. I started training obviously to like, I started working with people cause I wanted to train athletes. And what people always told me when I got in was, well, you know, 
everybody wants to train athletes, but you need to train regular personal training clients to keep the lights on. So it's kind of like, that's what pays the bills, but then you're doing that so you can have the opportunity to work with athletes and really to kind of bring it to now. I think why, like for the longest time, I was actually embarrassed to call myself a personal trainer. And that's why I always said, that's why I brought it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and really what I think that was about was personal training is kind of like real estate in the sense that like, it's a pretty, yeah. So like you ask anybody and they're like, they could probably name 10 people. That's a real estate agent and they can name 10 people. That's a personal trainer. So I'm like, okay, well, if I say I'm a strength coach, that differentiates me from the person who just went to go get their, their course this last weekend. And now they're training people at good life. So Mm -hmm. it's such a watered down industry that I think I was saying that in order to kind of separate myself in some way. And I still had this like goal of working with a lot of athletes. And I, I have quite a lot of experience training athletes from the different people that I've worked under interned under. Um, so those are all great experiences and we could dive into that later. But then it was honestly this summer I was interning for, uh, Ben Prentice in Connecticut. And that's like a true strength coach. Like, I feel like a lot of people call themselves a strength coach, but 90% of their day is training just regular clients. Yeah. So when I was working under him or interning under him, he doesn't train any general population clients. It's straight athletes all day. And his gym in Connecticut has one of the most like athlete heavy splits from personal training clients to to athletes. Do you have an idea of what the percentage is from being there? Well, I was there in the summer. So I would say there's general population clients at like, six to eight a.m and then the rest of the day is just straight athletes wow okay. so i would say like 90 10 yeah it's <laughs> okay. it was yeah. crazy and that was the first gym because that i'd ever been to that was like that most strength coaches who aren't in it because you've also um mentored under preston who yep. uh i think when you were there it was university of florida like he's a strength coach because he's part Absolutely. of the team but it's rare to find somebody who is a strength coach not part of a team mostly coaching athletes because it's what you said it's like you know, every, what's their off season, eight to 12 weeks most of the time? Well, even just look at it from a business perspective. If I go into this industry thinking I'm only going to work with athletes, mm-hmm. how many athletes are there and how many athletes are there that can actually afford to hire a coach? Like it's a very small number of people. Actually, yeah. Well, in the U.S., there's a lot more. Yeah. Um, high but, school athletes and stuff like that. But I get what you're saying. But it's, even if you just look at how many everyday people there are that want to improve their health, want to lose some weight, want to gain some muscle and stuff like that. From a business perspective, if you just say that you're going to train athletes. But the other thing with me is I actually, I enjoy training regular people. I, I, I obviously enjoy training athletes too. Like it's fun and it's a good dynamic. But what really happened is I like, give me anybody. I just want someone who wants to work hard, has goals that they want to accomplish and is going to be committed and that's like, I'll take a, an elite level athlete or I'll take a housewife that wants to lose some body fat. Like as long as they're going to work hard, like I'm in. So I think what I want to get out today is I sort of saw you and you touched on it a bit. It was like you were coaching at, um, reach personal training, which in is Toronto. like a, you know, a boutique training environment, uh, owned by Ben Clarefield. Then you sort of went on a bit of like a tour and yeah. you trained, uh, you trained under Preston, you got the high end strength coaching. It's like, you got to witness someone who's like one of the best and who's ever done it in yeah. basketball strength coach. Learned a lot from Preston. You got to learn from Dave Lawrence who owns private gyms and you know, he trains athletes at a high level, but also trains the gem pop. 
And then uh, you got to work with Ben Prentice, as you mentioned, interned with him. Same type of idea, maybe a little bit more athlete heavy. And I witnessed you go through a bit of like a evolution where it was like you had all these plans to open up a big gym. Then you had plans to open up like a commercial, like a, maybe a bit more of a boutique gym. But you had yeah. like this big multifaceted, multifaceted location where you had like saunas and, you know. Yeah, like kind of like a full spectrum. Right. Approach, and yeah. then you ended up just turning your garage into a gym. Yeah. And you're busier than you've ever been. And happier than I've ever been. Happier than you've ever been. And what's interesting is you're you're only what, 27? 20? Yeah, 27. Yeah. 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 So um same age Heath Ledger was when he passed away, by the way. You know, some people say I look like him. No, you uh. no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Um you look like you look like Chris Hemsworth if he was on a bender for a bit. That's what I say. But <laughs> if he just stopped taking yeah, stop. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he just stopped taking. So um but at this younger age, you, you've sort of like said, no, this is the way I want to do it. And you're just sort of gone all into it. Um, and I want to, you to, if you can open up a bit, like how you went through that uh, sort of genesis and evolution, because yeah. most people at your age don't have that confidence to be a little bit outside of the grain. And, I, and I'm wondering for new strength coaches or even dietitians or trainers or, or athletes, anyone listening, like. How did you get the confidence to go from like this big dream idea and you went and you even, you know, you learned even from John McDowell, you saw his stuff, like you went yeah. on a tour to try to learn yeah. and you ended up with like, I have a garage gym and a training business and I love it. So I know that was a bit of a long question, but if we could get into that a bit. I mean, you've kind of summed it up. Like I, I did go on a little bit of a tour yeah. and I think uh, my mindset when I left Toronto um, was I knew that I was ready to do my own thing. Um, but what I really wanted to do was I was kind of treating that tour as like, okay, well, let me go learn from who I think is the best. Um, and that's like a multiple, like a, a different amount of people. It's not just one person. And let me like pull a little bit from each of them and then like kind of figure out what I like, figure out what I don't like, and then take all of what I do like and apply it to my own business. And the goal at that time was to open a gym and so I did that. I went on a tour. And the crazy thing, though, is what what you kind of start realizing is you have to do like some self-reflection and like, did I want to open a gym because it's what I really wanted to do? Mm -hmm. Or did I want to do it because like I looked up to all these other guys who did it? So I was like, well, I want to get on their level. So was it like was I living for myself or was I living for others perception of me? Like, did I think that well, I would have the same respect that like Preston or Ben or Dave would have if I open a gym and I need to do it exactly the way that they did it. So I was, I feel like I was like almost like searching for the blueprint. And you know, what's interesting. I, I've gone through something similar, but what is the actual blueprint of all these guys is they find their own way and they do it. Yeah. So if you try to emulate them, that's not what they would do. They all sort of, they're, you know, even Charles, everyone's been a pioneer in this space because the training yep. space. So Yes, we want to learn from these people, but until we step into our own path, you're not actually emulating them. No. Right. Yeah. So, and the universe has like a funny way of kind of working because I was, and like, you know this, but not everybody knows this. I'm very like in my head, like I'm super analytical. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it was very difficult. Like my girlfriend, Victoria would always be like, you just got to like let things play out. But I always kind of like refer to myself as like, I... I'm like Neo at the beginning of the matrix. Like I 
I, the, the idea of not having control over my own life terrifies me. So I want to be in control of every situation. So I think that's really what I was doing is I was like, well, in order for me to open like the best gym and be really successful, the best way to control that situation is to go learn from everybody. So it's mm -hmm. like, I leave no stone unturned and then I apply it to my situation. But the, the universe though, like, it's funny because I kept getting roadblocks. You did. It was funny. To watch. Oh my yeah. gosh, man. It was, I was like, it was nuts. Like there were points where I was like, okay, maybe none of this is for me. I'm just going to go move to Costa Rica and like work at a coffee shop and like surf every day. Like, well, it was funny to watch. Cause it's like, okay, I got this opportunity. And then like the landlord switched his mind. Yeah. You had this, how many times did you move your equipment in a year? <laughs> so I started like stockpiling equipment during COVID. Cause there was a, there were like some really good deals. Um, and I was just keeping it at like different friends, gyms, um, because I knew I wanted to open a gym one day. So I was like, okay, I'll keep it at this place. I'll keep it at that place. Um, I've moved my equipment. I don't even know how many times I honestly think I would be more successful and make more money if I just opened like a gym moving equipment. Cause dude, I have that down to a science <laughs> <do>. now, <laughs> but hold on. So let's actually bring you back. So like you were learning from all these people, um, cause you wanted to learn from the best. Yeah. So bring us back there and like how this evolution happened where you were like, so you had these roadblocks, you're learning from the best. Yeah. So I, I learned from the, yeah, I went and sought out like kind of a bunch of people to learn from. And then I was like still afraid to commit for some reason. So I, I was looking at long-term leases, like to open my own business back in my hometown in Ottawa. Um, and then something short-term came up in Toronto. So I was kind of like, okay, I can move all my equipment in there. Um, but again, it was like short term cause I was, I, I was super afraid of commitment, um, because it's a big commitment to open a gym, but also at the time, like gyms weren't a lot like yes. they were, Oh, you're open, you're closed. Yeah. Open, so I was like, okay, COVID, yeah. I was going to spend 200 grand plus on a fit up for a gym. My rent was going to be like 10 G's a month. So, but it's Canadian money, but so. it's, yeah, so yeah. it's, it's like, it's like yeah. a peso, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but so I was just like terrified to commit to that situation. So I was looking for long for short term situations. But I was really doing was like my lack of commitment, I think, was actually just like sewering me in the long run, um, because then I kept running into situations where I, I because I wasn't committing um, subconsciously, I was like not giving everything to it. I was mm -hmm. like trying to keep my options open instead of just picking one thing, putting my head down and going for it. But anyway, so then I was, uh, that short-term situation in Toronto, um, this was at a time where just Canada was like, the restrictions were crazy. So I actually went, sought out and I was like, okay, well, like maybe I want to go like work in the States and try to figure out a visa or something like that. That was not really working out. Um, just cause it's a lot harder than they make, than they make it seem, um, to get down there. So then I kind of got to this point where I was like, you know what, like restrictions in Canada are crazy, but let me just like own it. Like, let me just like go head first in the chaos and like build, build something and just kind of like not make any excuses, just grow. Because I saw other guys like Dave Lebenowitz or like Ben Clarfield, like all these different people, they were still doing it in Canada. They were scraping by and like making it happen. So I was like, all right, like, let me just like dive right in. But then this is when it really started getting crazy. So I, I went down to the wire on three different commercial buildings to the point where I actually wrote a six month deposit check for them. Okay. And Every single one of them fell through for one of them was, uh, it was during one of the lockdowns of COVID and the landlord was actually a guy who owned Canadian tire 
and one of Canadian Tire locations, not all of Canadian Tire. Um, and he, we were like signed, sealed, like just in a contingency period. And he was like, I got to back out because my store closed down like in person. So I need this space for online orders. So I was like, okay, well that sucks, but okay. Next one, I was actually, I had an amazing situation with uh, this one, uh, this one building in Canada, which was like an office building. And they were actually going to give me free rent um, to open my business there. But it was based off of me giving a deal to all of the people that worked there because it was like an office building. And I was like, sure, no problem, because that's like free publicity for me. But I was very clear from the beginning. I said, but you guys know, like, I'm not like a good life or like a lifetime athletic. Like they can't just come in here at whatever time and train on their own. Like this is a private boutique studio. And they were like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Then like last minute, they like slid in that their workers would be able to train at all hours. So I was like, well, that's not happening. So then it was at this point that Victoria and I actually went to Costa Rica for a month because all that fell through. And I was just like, okay, let's get out of here. And honestly, that was like a big time in my, my, uh, like kind of my growth of where I am today, because I saw just the way that people live in Central America. And I feel like, like I went down there thinking like, oh, Central America, like kind of sketchy, like a little bit like, okay, I got to be on guard. And I came back thinking like North America kind of has it backwards. Like when I'm down there, like kids are like playing in the sand, like they're, people are active. They're watching the sunset together. There's like a community aspect. Whereas like here, I feel like everyone's just kind of like going through the motions. Um, mm -hmm. So that was like, that was huge for me. Um, and then I came back and now I found like the third spot that I'm like, and this one was perfect. It was like right in a good location, standalone building. Uh, landlord was willing to put some money in to renovate it. And what actually happened is the, uh, like we got down, signed the deposit check, signing a 10 year lease. Okay. About to lock it all up. And then, uh, um, the land, the listing agent actually just didn't like me. Yeah. And it just like fell through based off of that. <laughs> Cause he thought I was like, uh, pretty much I didn't want to sign. Um, there was a clause. They wanted like a demolition clause in there saying that like they could evict me if they decide to like renovate or demo the building. And I was like, I'm not signing that. And then, uh, but the landlord still wanted me in there and then it just kind of all fell through. But, and uh, then what you, you decide you needed a place to live. You found this like perfect spot. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I decided that, uh, why we were waiting to find a place to kind of live. Um, because I was like, well, I'm going to start a business. Um, and then I found like the perfect spot, moved all of my equipment into the garage and then just started running my practice out of there. And what that has really done for me is the other thing, like seeing all these guys, um, like trainers really get burnt out because the thing that you don't realize is when someone comes in to see me for an hour, a lot of the times it's their best. It's the best part of their day. Like they're looking forward to yeah. it. It's like an hour. It's great. I got to do that 10 times, like eight to 10 times. I'm getting one person, like they have to get the best version of Andrew 10 times a day. So I get burnt out like pretty easy and trainers get burnt out pretty easy. And if I had been in one of those situations where I was, uh, had like put all this money into a fit up, you would have been so stressed. I would have been so stressed. I also would have been cranking 50 hours a week just to keep the lights on. How many on. hours are you putting in now? I work about 30 to 35 hours a week. Right. And take home more money than I would have and also allow myself time to actually work on the business instead of working in the business. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is like not just doing straight personal training hours, like through the situation that I'm in right now, I also, it's probably about 60% of my business is actually remote 
and 40% of my business is actually in person. So I, I'm able to work on the remote aspect of the business. I'm able to actually work on the business rather than just like cranking hours and just training people one-on-one. What do you mean by on the business? So I think where a lot of coaches get stuck, um, and what's been coming through on these episodes a lot is like, there is a business side that you need. Yeah. Like obviously you're running a business, but a lot of coaches just focus on, okay, I'm going to do my training hours, get clients, do more training hours. But give, if you can give people an example of what it means to work on the business instead of for the business. Well, the best way I can sum it up is uh, that a lot of people in this industry start working at like a good life or like an LA fitness or something. And they're really, and they're a really good trainer. And then maybe they're not making as much money as they want to make because like trainer splits, like mm-hmm. trainer to the gym, is not that great. And maybe it's a client. They give them like this idea, you know, you'd make so much more money if you just like open your own gym, bought your equipment, and then just started doing that. And then they just have this idea in their head, this kind of like, they're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. But what they don't understand is just because you're a really good personal trainer doesn't mean that you're going to be good at running a personal training business. And that's like the managing that's the administration that's the hiring that's like the long-term vision that's the growth because this isn't really an industry where like it doesn't i only know of a couple gyms that have had offers uh to get purchased Mm -hmm. from like big other companies and stuff like that because there's no exit plan really there's not really an exit plan at the best case scenario you're buying yourself a job you're in a situation where maybe you're making more money for sure but you're not able to take vacation you know, like, what do you do for retire? You just like, like, are you going to sell your client list? Well, those people are training with you. They're not training with the business. Like they're looking mm-hmm. for you. So it's kind of like what I've kind of done with my business is try to do like a bird's eye view and look at, as it look at it, not as if it's just three people right now, which is myself, a creative director and a marketing coordinator, but look at it as if like, what are the systems that we want to have in place as if we're like a thousand employee doing a million dollars uh which book gave me that idea (laughs) well the e-myth gave me that idea but dave lawrence actually recommended me read the e-myth so that was a big read um but the other thing that i did right away too like i the first hires that i made were all for marketing marketing social media creative direction because if you're starting a business in 2023 no matter what you do whether it's like you're designing furniture, like you're a house cleaning business or whatever, you're a media company. So you need to be showing up on different social media platforms. You need to be having email campaigns. You need to be doing all of this. And I, I valued that and I understood that, but I also know that that's not my thing. I want to, my plan, my like five-year plan is to ride into the sunset with a flip phone. Like, I don't want to have an iPhone anymore. I don't want to manage my own social media. I don't want to do anything like that. So as soon as I got to the point and I got to this point a lot quicker through my situation where I don't have a lot of rent, don't have a big overhead, not renting a commercial building. Um, as soon as I was in a position to make some hires, I was like, I'm hiring marketing and I'm hiring like administration. I wasn't looking the, right away to like hire a trainer to work under me to like bring in more revenue. So I actually hired like non-revenue generating jobs, what it looks like from the outside looking in. But to me, it's actually like, massive revenue generating jobs Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah i find you're right most people have this like blueprint of like trainer get enough people i'm overloaded hire another trainer get enough people like what dave did really wisely was shit i need an operator yeah 
Because Dave, Dave's dream is maybe a little different from yours. Yeah, he wants yeah. to have multiple locations. He already has four or five soon. Yeah. So um, when you're, because like you're always learning, how much time are you putting now into learning um, business skills versus training skills? A lot, but my uh, my learning and business skills, it's not all like, <laughs> Ven Prentice actually has a, like a funny thing that he likes to say is like, all everybody loves like reading business books and it's like and i do too like they're great but like one of the best ways to learn is you you, you gotta you eventually make the take yeah. the plunge and yeah. that was what I was, I was i was afraid of for so long i literally every person that i asked who owned a company or owned a gym i asked them the same question because this is what i was struggling with i was like is there a time that like if you look back with where you were just like not scared anymore. And you were like, cause I was, I feel like that's what I was doing. I was waiting for the time to be like, well, but then it's not a big enough deal. No, I was right. like, I, well, I have this much <laughs> revenue. I have this much. So like moving into the space is great. And like, everything's going to make sense. And they were like, no, like you just got to take the plunge. You just got to take yeah, the it, it's le- It's a lesson that I, you know, I, I work with a few people and I help them through stuff. But one thing um, that I kept seeing, and I have a lot of mentors of mine who I really respect mm-hmm. is they, they start before they're ready. Yeah. Like they're ready to start, but they don't have the system that's ready. Like everyone's like, Oh, I need to have like, um, you know, the, like we were even talking this morning, yeah. an idea of launching like this, like, um, reset starter. And yeah. you know, we were debating like, is now the time is now not the time. It's like, sometimes you just start and you'll see what actually unfolds. Yeah. Versus trying to sit and make the perfect plan because you can't, you know what you proved with everything. Uh, and this is, I, I, I gotta keep I, every episode I'm crediting him now, but he's taught me a lot of lessons. Like Sachin's like, there's no such thing as a perfect plan. No. Nah. Like, so, um, like you had the perfect plan once it failed twice. It failed three, three times. times. It's failed yeah. four times. It failed. And then finally, like, but the, the craziest thing too, is it's just like, one like the perfect plan that was me not ready to release control and that was why i kept getting yeah. like, these blockages is i i wanted to control the aspect and what i also realized i even had this one thought because i was just trying to like follow and emulate what like dave and ben and all these guys did i had this one thought this summer when i was interning for ben because i was asking ben all these questions about how he started i literally thought this this is was how he he, he I was asking him how he started and he was like, yeah, you know, I opened body tuning like my first gym when I was 27 years old. And I was like, I'm turning 27 in September. Like I have to open my gym before I turn 28. You know, what's funny. <laughs> and it's like, I, I know I listen, you know what happened to me for a long time. I got rid of it. I would watch movies. Yeah. And like, let's say Rocky. Okay. Yeah. I'm 36. Yeah. Um, look 25 though. I look 25. Uh. <laughs> Stallone in uh, Rocky three. They're like, you're 34 years old. You're over the hill. You're, I'm like, I'm two years older than Rocky was yeah. in Rocky three, <laughs> not even Rocky one or yeah. Rocky two. And it hits you and you're just like, and this is one of the best books um, that I read to get over that was Gap in the Gain, where it's yeah. like, you count life looking backwards, actually. Don't worry about looking forwards. Like, look at how far you've come. Yeah. Um, Cause, you know, there's so many stories. Like, then you can go Samuel Jackson and start acting till 40, whatever. Yeah. And like, Warren Buffett didn't really have money till later in life. And, um, but that's a funny thought that I know it's crazy. And like the other thing too, is when we were in Costa Rica, it's also like the universe, like you have to speak your goals and, and that's why I'm a big believer in like setting clear intentions, setting goals, knowing where you're going, because if not, like 
you're not putting it out there and you need to put it out there for it to come into fruition. And so when we were in Costa Rica, actually, Victoria and I were, wa- were going for a walk on the beach. I know it sounds like super cliche, but um, and she asked me, she was like, well, what what's like your dream life? And I was like, well, you know what? I look at all these like other trainers and they just get burnt out because they're just working 50 hours a week, no exit plan. Like, and so I would love to like, I love training people. I love it. I, I get in flow when I train. Like I've trained you before. Like yeah. it's fun. And, um, but I outpress you now, so it's fine. <laughs> um, and I uh, can't admit it, but it did happen. Well, I mean, let's see what happens when we do back later <laughs> okay. this week. Um, but uh, and so she was like, "What what would your like ideal life look like?" And I I was like, "Okay, well, I love training people, so I want to incorporate it, but it's kind of like if that's all that I do, and if I have to do that in order to make a living, I'm probably gonna fall out of love with it." So I was like, the perfect situation would be if I have like, like this was before any of these, I was still going to plan to open a gym at this point. I was like, you know, if I had like a house in Canada and I had a house like here in Costa Rica and at both of those houses, I had like a home gym. Yeah. Um, and then I could just train the clients that I want to train and not train the clients that like, like not have to train clients in order to like pay the bills. And then I had like remote income and passive income and coming from somewhere else so i don't have to rely on the money for training like that would be a pretty cool situation and that was in march that was one year ago pretty much yeah and now and, look at you and your yeah fast much. forward six months like w- i mean we don't have a house in costa rica yet but yeah. like it's just crazy though like how and i re- literally remember sitting with her and saying i'm probably like 20 years away from that though because i was like you i put a to- limitation on it yeah right? yeah 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 and then like but things can happen so quick so it um I was I was with Evan Carmichael this week who has a he's like very well-known motivational podcaster. Right. And he was talking to Gary Vayner, Gary V. Gary V. Yeah. yeah. So his life coach came on Evan's podcast. Yeah. And like Evan's very uh open book. He's like, "Yeah, let's do the intake like you would normally do with me as a new client." And they did a whole episode of like the intake of what it takes when she takes someone on. And she was like, "You're really good at planning things." Mhm. So you have a plan, it fails, you got another plan, you got the backup plan, you got the plan after that, you got the plan after that. And then when all your plans fail, what happens? She goes, well, then I hope for the best. Yeah. And she goes, the difference between you and Gary Vee, he lives in the best thing's going to happen. Right. So the plans are sort of there, but they're not like, it's not like this written down exact thing. It's like, hey, this is what I want and and the great things are going to happen. It's not. Yeah. And I, I totally I'm that, but then like planning to be like that's still a plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I know it's crazy. Yeah. And that really resonates with me. And you know, I gotta give credit where credit is due. And uh you actually you sent me to one of your teachers <laughs> in the fall, and that was a big part that I'm like missing. Did I have out to yell at you on this whole story? Well, you had Jordan actually had to muscle test me, um, which is this <laughs> a- anyways, he, he it was very I was very not wanting to go because I again I'm very like in my head not really into all the spiritual stuff. Uh, well, I wasn't. Um, so Jordan and Victoria really had to push me to go see like a spiritual teacher, like a life coach. Um, and honestly, that was a big thing that changed for me. But long story short, what she really, what she pointed out to me, because again, like it's kind of like the same as your friend Evan, like I, I didn't want to lo- release control. I always needed a backup plan or a mm-hmm. contingency plan and all these things. And then Victoria would say stuff like, well, you just got to like, like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Like you have no control over anything. And I'm like, no, like I like, <laughs> no. no, no, no. Like I can't, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't fathom that. So what she really like showed me is she kind of like bridged the gap between the two 
where she said that if you like the first thing that we did with her was we figured out like what my personal mission statement was mm -hmm. and like how and that kind of reflects is like when my life is like the best what does it look like how do i feel how do i love like what emotions all of these things and then we did this exercise to see like how closely i was living to that personal personal mission statement pretty far off at the time i was like like it was pretty much highlighting the things that were most important to me and if i'm like practicing that every day um and i was far off um like one thing and that was really important to me was like having like a consistent I call it like a routine and schedule for like optimization. Like I'm really regimented. Yeah. So that was one thing that I didn't have and, at the time. Yeah. And um, just to pause for a sec, because I think like coaches listening or dietitians listening, whoever, whoever is listening, yeah. um, you, you know, it's like, I don't know how to download this into people's minds, but it, I keep seeing it. It's like, I, I'm part of Joe Polish's genius network. He always yeah. talks about elf, easy, lucrative and fun. Yeah. Like get into elf. Or, um, you know, like, uh, with Lee's, you know, you work on like, are you doing things that make you feel like good? Yeah. Uh, when I, when people ask me like, Hey, I got this big decision. I just tell them that like, here guys, this is a really easy way to figure something out is you close your eyes and you feel if something feels expansive yeah. or contracting. And it's like, I keep seeing with all these successful people, the similar thing. So, you know, being a coach if you take an inventory of your life, like how often are you in, I call it you stress versus distress. Yeah. So you stress is like you and I training and I beat you on chest press. That was you stress, <laughs> right? By five kilo or five pounds aside. Yeah, no, I mean, you started really light, but doesn't matter. And then, um, <laughs> and then distress is like, Oh, I got to, I have to coach 10 people today. I like three of them. And, and this is where, you know, design. I like all my clients. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but this is where designs for sport, like not to be a pitchy thing here, but like we sat as a team. I actually took a lot of Lisa's, um, I'll give her credit here. Yeah. I have exercise. to give Lisa credit too, by the way. That was yeah. the coach that I went to. Yeah. See. yeah she's Janelle. amazing. She's Lisa. really good. Yeah. Ex-athlete, ex-trainer, ex-Cairo. And now she's like a soul coach. I like to yeah. call her. That's a good way um, to put it. Yeah. So she, um, oh, I was lost now. What was I saying? Oh, sorry. DFS. The values of DFS. Yeah, yeah. So we sat in a room, the whole team, and we were like, what are our values? And it, I think it was what, three hours? Three hours. Yeah. Victoria's sitting there listening. She was there um, to get down our actual values of a company. She was there we, with the guys? She was there. Yeah. <laughs> actual value as a company. So um, why that was important was um, if we didn't know who we were and what our values were, Yep. And you know, one of our things is like, we want to elevate the industry and we want to be like a supportive arm to like, we call them fit pros. Fit pros are dietitians, strength coaches, personal trainers, anyone who's a fitness professional. Yep. And we want to help elevate the industry. We want to be transparent as a company. You know, we want to, we're big into teamwork. We're big into collaboration. We're big into having like integrity. And it's like, now we know where to operate from. Yeah. And everything we do is through that lens and we yeah. sit and we talk, you know, we have eight people on our team and it's like an hour call can be around one topic that should be two minutes, but yeah. like we get everyone so invested because we all have this shared mission. Yeah. And what's funny is the clients working with us are starting to have that same shared mission. Well, you attract what you put out. Right. And what you're noticing with, I think what you're showing with, with your business, you were like, I had this idea. I want to work with athletes. It was an ego decision. Yeah. Now I want to work with like people who just want to work with me. And you have like a packed gym four days a week yep. training people that are all bought in. They're part of your community. You have like launch parties. They're all there. It's like a community feel. Yeah. 
And in a short period of time, you've been able to build this community. Yeah, yeah. like less than six months. Right, yeah. but, <laughs> I, but, and you know, I, again, like I'm showing you, uh, people listening, like I, I'm showing you DFS because you're here because you align with us most likely. And what Andrew's showing is like when he got his alignment down, he started tracking people. Yeah, people. and that's, that's really what Lee's really taught me was, because I was like, because th there's this one kind of, like if you go all the way over on the spiritual side or all the way over on the, uh, practical side yeah like it's a spectrum so on one side it's like it stop, and stop and smell the roses mm -hmm. and like well you could die tomorrow so like don't plan for anything but i'm like okay that doesn't really work for me because i don't okay well then i'm just gonna spend all my money do whatever like not have any like rules or guidelines because i need rules to follow like i'm a very i i love like structure but then on the other side, if you just try to micromanage and control everything, you're going to fail. Yeah. So what she really taught me is it's like it's a yin and the, yang. the set. Yeah, yeah. Yin and yang. And the set of rules that you should follow are the rules based off the person that you want to be. And that's living in alignment. And really a, a term that she used was like doing the inner work. So what I've really found is when I do the inner work and what I mean by inner work is I when I do the things that make me the person that I want to be that's when like the universe rewards me. So, and that's really what happened is I was living out of alignment with yeah. who I was going to be, who I wanted to be. I was living based off of like others' perceptions. I was doing things because of how I thought it would make other people think of me. Where when I just changed my outlook and I started doing things based off of the person that I want to be and structuring my life like that, I actually became that person and my whole life began to change. So... You, but the first step that you need to do is you need to get out of your head and you need to start living through your heart. And that's what she taught me. And that yeah. was that was crazy for me because I'm so analytical. It's hard to understand what that means because people know. ask, like, what does it mean to be in your heart? But um, to me, it just means being present. That's the one thing. Like, it means a lot of things. But for me, it really means being present because like we live in such an age of distractions. I think we are the most distracted we've ever been as a human species, yeah. like from cell phones to whatever so it's like living for yourself not living for others and being present in the current so moment. i would yeah I, I mirror what you, i sort of um i get what you're saying and i agree with it but i think the other thing is like when people ask me like what does it mean to be in your heart it's like if you wanted to make a decision completely full of fear what is that decision yeah because like it's the safest place to be is there it's where wisdom lives and the thing i keep seeing with people who live a completely fulfilling life um, whether it's in our industry or in another industry is they follow that principle. So if you're a strength coach and it's like you, or you're a, a personal trainer or whatever, and you're like, I'm in this because of X, Y, Z. So like a lot of strength coaches that I've met, they're like, I was a high level athlete. Yeah. I had shitty training. Yeah. My body broke down. And a lot of them aren't like, oh, I could have made it. But there's that thing that sits in the back of their head where it's like, what yeah. if I actually had a good strength coach? If they had to start a little earlier. And they, yeah, they start a little bit earlier and they make it as their, um, mission to make sure that their wound they went through doesn't happen to yeah. another trainer or let's say somebody um you know uh dave who was on here earlier uh Lobinowitz, who you know yeah. he was like i was in a ton of pain like he injured himself almost like i don't know if i could walk again type pain is what it seemed he fixed it now he wants to save people from that type of pain yeah and it's interesting it's like whatever gets whatever reason you're brought into this space yeah if you just go fully into it you can help other people you can empathize with them and i think that's where it's like 
that feeling of reward comes out. Oh yeah. And I mean, for me, it's like a similar situation like that. Like I was actually, I was always like a chubby kid. Yeah. Like, and that's really like, I think that's also why I started loving training so much as I saw my body change. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is great. I want other people because I just showed that like, again, it's like, I was in control of that. Like anybody can get lean, anybody can get jacked, anybody can get shredded, anybody can improve their body. So it's like, what is, but, what is a uh, Prentice call it? Shripped. I call it shrimp. What does he call Sh- it? Chizzed. Chizzed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that um, guy's chizzed. But not anybody can make the NBA. Not anybody can make the NFL. But like you can. Well, yeah, depending on how old you start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's an inside joke. That That's why I just and that's why I started getting into it because I just saw and like that's kind of like my story. It's like I saw how much it can prove. But like and I've actually gone through like a rerun of my business most recently and kind of like shifting away from like a fitness brand because I almost went like too deep into that. Whereas to the point where literally all I cared about was what I looked like without my shirt on, which was like not balanced, which was not good. I like borderline had like an eating disorder or like a bad. Well, yeah, I remember how like the look you would give me. Oh, yeah. Having like a piece shaming. of sourdough bread, like organic, yeah. healthy sourdough bread, like a thin slice. Yeah. And you made it akin to like, I don't know, like some horrible crime. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad you were. It was like, it was really bad. It was like, was how dare you a- have a piece of sourdough yeah, bread? Yeah. Like, what, what was, what were you was that's a perfect example because yeah. I was projecting that right. onto my clients, which was not good. Like, I was so, I cared so much about like being fit and being jacked and looking good with my shirt off that I would just be so dialed in for like three weeks. And then like, I would schedule a cheat day and I wouldn't even feel like eating anything, but I'm like, well, next week I'm right back into like being super dialed in. So I'm just going to stuff my face with everything. Like to the point where I would like feel sick, like full on eating disorder, like, and like body dysmorphia. Like I was like 9% body fat one summer. And I was like, and then like, and then I would get to that point and then I would like kind of like loosen up a little bit and get to like maybe like 10 or 11% body fat. And I would be like embarrassed to take my shirt off. Like I wouldn't take no, my shirt geez, off. Charles, <laughs> Charles told me a very similar story. So he went down to 4% body fat. Yeah, it's crazy. And then he went up to six because his doctor's like, this is not healthy. You can't sleep. And he was embarrassed at how he looked at 6%, like single digit body fat. Yeah. I mean, I've and that's said, probably the dark side of our space. Oh, dude, but, I'd, I'd say to some of my clients too, it's like, and that's why I've also changed like my approach. Whereas before, like I would just try to get everybody shredded. I was like, okay, we're just going to get them super lean. Um, to now it's like, obviously like getting people lean is important. And like the research is there, like the leaner you are, if you're at a healthy body composition, like every blood marker is going to improve, everything's going to improve for you. But it's like, how do we accomplish that without making that the goal? So like, for example, with a lot of my female clients, I try to get them to do chin-ups because then, okay, well, what's the, what's the fastest way to get a female client to do chin-ups, get them leaner, but you're not making that the focus. So they don't become obsessed and like with the leanness is obsessed with the goal. Yeah. But you become, and then you accomplish the chin-up and it's like, okay, this is cool. But at the same time, well, guess what? We got leaner. Yeah. And you know, I, I obviously had the same thing where it's like for me i was like oh i gotta get leaner i gotta get um because i i never had it for me getting lean was always a difficulty yeah like even when i was training you know i would do jujitsu muay thai like but that was the thing about like i think we were both like like charles was unbelievable yeah but we we drank the kool-aid and well because like, he called me a melted candle right that's well, all that stuck in. I, yeah i will I actually, I wrote a blog post about this because there was a point in my life when I first got introduced to Charles, 
he I could have read an article of him saying to do anything. I would I know I would have done it. I would have done it if he said, yeah, you'll get 1% leaner if you do X, Y, Z. I'm doing it. After his, I, the first course I ever did with him uh, was metabolic analytics. In Phoenix? Yeah. Yeah. And I followed exactly what he said to and do. And did you get leaner? Shredded. Sh- like, like so lean, but not sustainable. And then like, like it just, I say sometimes too, it's like the worst thing, not the worst the worst one of the worst things i've ever done like it's i don't think it all the time is get a six pack because once i got that because charles would say like oh as a strength coach you have to be 10 percent body fat and i'm like okay i gotta get shredded you know what i mean but like everybody can get lean but not everybody is meant to walk around like absolutely chiseled at all times you know what i mean you kind of have like a point you know your body is yeah like homeostasis so like look at tyson fury yeah like, and that's where, or because, you know, I come from an MMA background. Well, whatever. But yeah. um, if you look at a lot of MMA fighters, yeah, some of them are jacked and chizzed mm-hmm. or shrimp, you know, but then other <laughs> ones are like BJ Penn yeah. was a pudgy little man who used to, you know, perform at a very high level yeah. and beat people who look like they could be on magazine covers. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's important to be, to have a good level of body composition. I think it's important to be strong. I think it's important to be healthy. And those like all of these things yeah but like to put some arbitrary a man needs to be this or a woman needs to be this or like you're not manly if you're not this that that gave me an eating disorder no i I, (laughs) and so like i like to kind of like stay in like a spot now where i'm like you know like i'm 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 probably around like 10 to 12 percent body fat 12 percent and ben actually put this in my head is uh, a really good place to be is two weeks away from a photo shoot at all times because you're not going because then you're like really lean but you don't get those like negative side effects of getting under 10 percent body fat where you're like low libido angry all the time trouble sleeping and stuff like that but like being able to like kind of like tap in there in like two or three weeks like that's a good place to be does that make sense yeah no yeah. it does uh, and um i think it's a healthier place to be 100 you know i think for coaches listening it's it's interesting to see how when you drop that, you're you, like you. I've seen you go from no clients, pretty much, yeah. to a full gym schedule. Yeah, in less than six months. Yeah, in the less ideal setting, by just fixing this mindset. Oh yeah, and it's it's even now where you're like, I think you're overflowing a bit. Like you don't want to work, and you're you're like, good. I'm working the amount of time I want to work. Yeah, we're like waitlisted. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, um, so for people who've been like sort of struggling, like how do I get busier in my practice or busier in my gym or starts or, from within man <laughs> i know as lame as it sounds it really does but um so uh we're just we're running a little low on time so we'll just um i think we covered a lot today but i like yeah. to always end it with like what would be in bullet point your three biggest takeaways so i think the first one was figure out i know we didn't start here but i think it's like figure out who you are and what you exactly want in life yeah speak it into existence personal mission statement yeah yeah like set what you want like set the direction so you can start to begin doing the inner work okay yeah second thing i would say like this kind of like comes into play with the first one but figure out who you are and what you exactly want in life yeah speak it into existence personal mission statement yeah yeah like set what you want like set the direction so you can start to begin doing the inner work okay yeah second thing I would say like this kind of like comes into play with the first one, but 
just be true to yourself. Like don't try to like base what you're going to accomplish off of what someone else accomplished. Mm-hmm. Like just because Ben trains like all these athletes and like is killing it. Like, first of all, do I even want to do that? Like, so it's like, be like, run your own race. Actually, if I were to summarize that is like, have unachievable goals in the sense of like, I want to be optimally healthy. Yeah. You can't, there's no number to get that. I want to be able to move well. Yeah. Because also if you're like, I want to be 10% body fat, you're associating like some level of happiness with being at that level. Where it's like, if I could move well, have energy, be strong, be healthy, they're they're always a moving target and something you keep working. Yeah. So I used to like, I used to literally write down like goals, like, oh, my goal for this month, I'm going to be 10% body fat by the end of the month. But now it's like, I just have affirmations that I say to myself every morning and it's, I'm lean, I'm strong, and I'm in amazing shape. And the crazy thing too is, is once I let go of these like goals to be like, to reach a certain level of body fat or be in like a specific condition, my physique got better than it's ever been, yeah. <laughs> which <Yeah>. is nuts. <laughs> so um, we're going to wrap it up there. So if people want to find you. They can find me at, at Andrew Baker Fitness. And then my business name is at Live Virtue. V-I-V-I-R-T-U. Yeah, no E on the end. No E on the end. Yeah, okay. And uh, if anyone wants to find me for whatever reason, it's born, B-O-R-N, underscore, ah, underscore, boxer, B-O-K-S-E-R. So thank you very much, and we will see you next time. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us in Leaders in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and we just want to thank you from everyone at Designs for Sport for giving us your time and attention. We hope to continue to bring you episodes that will help pique your interest and help you elevate your career so we can elevate the industry. Thank you.